Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I am here today with Liz Lenevy, Megan Crow, and Erica Slater, and I am Amy Gunn. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi. Today we're talking about end of the year, including holiday parties, holiday gift giving, goal setting, all kinds of fun things that as we enter the very last few weeks of 2021, we're going to try to learn from some things that we've been through this year and plan for what is hopefully, quite frankly, a better 2022. So let's start with holiday gift giving. I am confounded every year with where to draw the line on who to give gifts to in a professional setting. Traditionally, I have always been excited about giving gifts to my staff. And as the years went by, the staff grew. So it went from my secretary and paralegal and lawyers working on my team to a much larger group of people because I entered into um, another area of practice that had more people. And then we always have law clerks. And at some point, I looked at my list of gift giving for my professional acquaintances, and it far outweighed my gift giving for my family. And I felt kind (laughs) of weird about that. And it's so easy just to give cash but that's so impersonal. So I've always struggled every year with the best way. I know most people, including now my children, are like, Mom, cash. That's where it's at, (laughs) really. And I'm like, but, but. They're like, no, really. So Erica, how have you dealt with professional gift giving? Well, I guess I am still in the realm that you were talking about as having kind of a close-knit team. There is one person in particular that I work with on a regular basis, and that's my paralegal. So obviously that person is always included in my gift giving. And I do try to learn what they might like, make it a personal gift. For example, like I knew what bottle of wine my old paralegal liked. And so I got her a case. Like that's kind of exciting. Like you have a ton of it anytime you want. I know you've done the purse gift giving. Purse uh, gift giving. Yes. and Always easy. And you used to have the same gift for your clerks too. I still have my designer card holder that I got when I was a clerk for you for Christmas. So I did those upon graduation Mm. for business cards, anticipation of professional business cards. What would you have done at Christmas then? Probably a little purse or a little wallet, a little something like that. You gave me a Kate Spade wallet. I still remember. I got a wallet from you and a watch from the other attorney I was working for when I was a clerk. That's fancy. It it was fancy. And I was like, am I expected to give people these (laughs) When I came back as an attorney, I was like, am I expected to give people these kinds of gifts? This This is is the whole discussion. Exactly. This is very helpful for me also as a new attorney in this firm. This is my first year. So it's good to kind of feel out the room. Yeah. The first rule should always be that as a supervisor, you should always consider the people who are your direct reports or working specifically with you hands down, whether it is a gift card or cash or you're a thoughtful gift giver and that's something that you enjoy doing. I think it should also be rule number two that you don't go up 
unless it is someone that you have a very personal relationship with. Yes. And I have said that (laughs) so many times. I'm looking at you, Liz. (laughs) So many times over the years. I wrote that down. Gift giving is... I don't know if the right word is downward, yeah. but gift giving is subordinate trickle to down gift giving. <laughs> As the Reagan economics of yeah. gift giving. Yes. And it's just because I think it's very difficult to buy for a law partner, whether you're an associate or a paralegal or whatever, because yeah. you're always going to feel like I can't get them what they really want or I don't really know what they really want. It's just difficult. And the last thing I want is to bring stress onto any member of my circle or my staff or my colleagues for something like that. I have a confession to make. Okay. You bought her gift last night. I have completed all of my Christmas shopping (laughs) except for yours. Oh. Yay. Now you're done. You're done. So here's my recommendation for that. I think a token is fine. Like if you write them a holiday card or something like that, I think that that's perfectly appropriate. I also think that if you're a supervisor, it is appropriate to even work that into a conversation earlier to take away that stress. So there's no like expectation. I have tried that. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. No doubt. (laughs) And I've done that in the past. I think I ran across some maybe some RBG pins one year and left RBG pins on all of your yes, desks. And that's and like, sweet. that's a token, you yes. know, but that's like, that's like my friends at work, you know, that's like, happy holidays. We all need these matching RBG pens. I think that makes sense, but Agreed. I agree with you. It should, it should be trickle down. Yes. So I don't know who is listening and where you are in your line of succession in your law firm or in your business. But I do think speaking as we all can from being really on both sides of that, being uphill and downhill of this notion of gift giving, it shouldn't be stressful. And where it became stressful for me is as I started out this conversation, kind of where to draw the line, like how many Kate Spade purses do I need to buy this year? <laughs> and But I, I think that as a supervisor, it is still very important to buy gifts in some fashion or form for your staff. And as a supervisor, you should not expect and should discourage gift giving from your staff to you. So that's my bottom line on that discussion. I agree with that. So cash versus Yes. actual gifts. I think, you I know, do both. yeah, I, and that's what I've transitioned to in the last couple of years. Like I think of a cash gift as kind of like a, a bonus, whether, you know, you're getting one from the company that you work for or not, but to kind of contribute to that notion. And then it kind of takes some pressure off the personal gift then too. Because that, you know, it makes it kind of just like a token. I thought this was something you would enjoy. A lot of people just would appreciate a nice note. Mm -hmm. A nice note acknowledging the year and the work that's been done in that year, particularly in the kind of couple of years that we've had in our practice. While it's easy to put some cash in an envelope, I would encourage anyone listening to just add a few lines of encouragement and thanks and gratitude to that staff person. I think that goes a long way. So, all right. Holiday gifts. Check. Check. Holiday (laughs) parties. Yes. Uh, This is almost like kind of a sore subject because I feel like 
2019, the circuit was hot. It, it was, was nightly. fun. Everything was awesome. I felt like I had arrived yes. just enough to be like, yeah, I'm getting the invite to all the parties I want to go to. This is awesome. I, had I only had one kid at home. Yeah. yeah, it was. <laughs> and then out. nothing. <laughs> and then I wake up on this side of it. I've got two little kids at home. <laughs> the one party I wanted to go to this week, I was like traveling back from my first travel for an expert depot. I had like, the flight times were awful. I slept like six hours between two nights. Yuck. I would like to see people going back to parties and as much normalcy as we possibly can. But I think it's still going to take more time to get there. But let's talk about assuming that there are parties going on and that we are going to parties. I would just love to hear some fun stories about what not to do at a holiday party. I mean, maybe it's too obvious, but I'll start. <laughs> at my first law firm, we were a smaller firm at the time. It's a larger firm now, but a smaller firm at the time. And a couple of the main partners, one in particular, loved to put together, I kid you not, a Christmas band mm. just for Christmas, for the firm Christmas party. Like that the person participated? Yes. Oh. If I recall correctly, he was a drummer. We had a piano player, a couple other instruments. And I stupidly said, I like to sing. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, But you we, do. I do like to sing. <laughs> and you're I not do. bad at it. I did not it. say that I was good at it. But you're but I better do like than it. most. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> but I was first year in practice and thought, this is going to be fun. This is my opportunity to shine. And we had multiple weeks of practice. I mean, it was oh my looking, thinking back about that. Now, no, who does that? No one does that. And I remember it being so much fun and thinking to myself, what are you doing? Right. You have to stand up in front of the entire firm. This party was for employ all employees and their spouses, not just like the lawyers, but all employees and their spouses. I sang Jingle Bell Rock. Oh, gosh. Jingle Bell. I, Did it, you have to perform all night? We had like three songs. It was not like not like three sets. You weren't like the songs. entertainment. It was like this is a feature of the evening. Yes. Okay. Oh Got yes. It. it was like get ready. Here comes. Here comes. You remember the, our name? <laughs> Maybe somebody's listening remembers. They know who they are. But um, <laughs> this is hilarious. And the idea that there could be a video out there terrifies me. Oh, so you don't know this? Oh my gosh! If you I'm have, calling, if you have a video of this. <laughs> yes. You can email it to heels in circa, the courtroom. Dot circa nineteen ninety. 1999? I'm calling all your old partners oh, right after God. this I'm recording. But I actually would love to see it because I would laugh. But I remember my husband was like, what on earth are you doing? What are you doing? But there was some goodwill established, particularly with the partner who was the leader of the band. I think that he thought that was kind of fun. So anybody else make fools of themselves in their firm Christmas parties? Anybody? <laughs> I don't, I can't top that. Oh, come I mean, on. this was a full on like battle of the band situation oh, or, or what have you. So I'm thinking about maybe a few words of advice. Perhaps it should be about alcohol consumption. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe say. we should start with the easy yeah, one. We can, we can start with the easy, uh, don't be the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to several parties in my day that are hosted within 
the actual law firms, which always spread out into like offices and groups hanging out. And if there's, you know, free booze flowing in the party, I mean, it's kind of a recipe for disaster, right? And I go back to my early days of practice being like an overworked associate at a defense firm and like, we can all drink in our offices. Great. And like, (laughs) and you know, it's just, it's not the time. Have a good time, but like you just don't want to be a scandal because, you know, everyone else who's been there for years, decades, they're just waiting for it for their own entertainment. True. Typically yeah. what I try to do is take my significant other. I was going to say, bring your person. Bring a person. Yeah, bring and a if person. You don't, if you don't have a significant other, find a buddy. And frankly, <laughs> like seriously, it's like what we tell little kids. Like, don't go off by <laughs> yeah. yourself. It's, it's really friend. true. But that person can also be your accountability buddy because what you can tell each other is if, hey, if I look like I'm going a little too fast, I think what we do is we hold each other accountable and just let me know if I'm starting to get a little sloppy so I can, you know, drink some water. And frankly, look, just pro tip, drink a glass of water between every drink you have. Like, come on, guys. I mean, Definitely. We, we, we learned that in college. Get something on your stomach. Right. And hydrate and you right. should be okay. But right. I got to go back to accountability buddy. Accountability buddy. Is that a new thing? I've never heard it, but okay, she went, good. she she spit it out so fast that yeah, I was like, I could, that's a thing. Right. I stumbled over it. Say it again. Yeah. An accountability buddy. You find Did someone. you make it up? Absolutely not. I've never had an original <laughs> thought in my life. <laughs> <laughs> She's on Instagram, Amy. I'm just, I am just incredibly aware of things. And when I find something that I think is clever, I keep it in the back of my, my, my little memory bank. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. You okay. just find someone you go to these parties with. And frankly, it's always easier to try to find someone to sort of glom onto anyway at these things. I mean, I know you were talking about when we're going to get back up to full speed with these parties. I really don't mind sort of easing back into it because this is a muscle I have not worked in yeah. two years. I am really out of practice. And frankly, I'm just exhausted <laughs> after these events. So right. I, don't, I don't mind sort of easing back into it. Also, obviously, there's a difference between attending your own firm's holiday party and then kind of making the rounds with other firms that are hosting parties where they're inviting other attorneys mm-hmm. to come as well. You know, as far as networking goes, as far is like being where you want to be seen. I would really like plan who I was going to see there, go with someone if I needed to, you know, sometimes, especially if you're a younger associate, some of those parties are really good networking opportunity, but like anything else, it's kind of intimidating. I was going to say, as someone who's not a veteran of these parties, it's very intimidating to walk into these situations sometimes, especially if you don't have, like Liz said, an accountability buddy. Yeah. Or nicely said. Or like if you don't have a strong connection to the firm, some parties may be an open invitation or you may have made an invitation list because like another associate at that firm like put you on the list and you may not know a lot of people there. So I would find a buddy or someone who I knew could introduce me to people when I was younger. And as I got older and wanted to go to one, see my friends, and two, you know, understood the value of networking and and making sure to get there when I could. Honestly, I'd go for a half hour. And you can you can pop into these parties, they're open house. If you go early after work, say the party starts at five or six, go for that first half hour. Quite frankly, that's the best networking time. Anything that happens later on in the party, you don't want to be there for anything. Anyway, exactly. So to use them as a good networking, you know, you can do the quick pop in, make your round, see who you need to see, maybe give yourself a drink limit. 
if you need to. I used to choose a drink based on how long it would last me. And when it was gone, I, it was also time for me to go home. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a way to work that out too and not have it kind of take over your December, if you will. Yeah, I think my new favorite word is accountability. <laughs> and that is the takeaway for certain from this conversation. Have someone that you trust that can help you and or be that person for someone else or take turns or whatever it is. Right. Because we all agree that these parties can be intimidating or stressful, but they can also be very helpful in the networking sense. As lawyers, we go to a lot of these parties with judges. Mm -hmm. It's never bad to have a conversation with a judge or for a judge to see that you are a member of the larger legal community, giving back in some way or caring about the community. Those are all good things to be seen for and known for. But that can turn on a dime if you aren't being careful about what you're saying or what you're drinking. So, right. All right. The next topic, moving from holiday parties and gift giving to the end of the year. How many people are taking time off? Me. Me. Everybody. Uh, Megan. I you have don't a trial your... on January 5th. Oh, no. You also well, start one in I, yeah. three we days have, from now. We have a crazy <laughs> December and January. So this is going to be aimed at you for next year. Okay. <laughs> Learn the lesson this year and apply it next year. Right. We won't browbeat you to take time off this year. Right. But it's just too late for that. But it, going back to all the it comes in waves, this is your high tide. Right. <laughs> so yeah. This really is a good time of the year to slow down, typically, except for Megan, <laughs> calendars do slow down over the holidays. And it's a good time to reevaluate. I would encourage everyone to sit down uh, one of these days over the next couple of weeks and spend just a few minutes or a half an hour setting out some goals for the next year. It's not difficult. It sort of makes your brain you can focus on what you've done for this past year, what, you, what you're happy about, what didn't really work for you, what you'd like to improve on, and parlay that into goals for the following year. I don't do that formally every year, but I wish that I had, and I'm trying to. I'm also keeping a little bit of a journal right now at the end of the day about things I liked about my day and things I didn't like about my day. I'm doing a little bit more purposeful analysis of where I am in my career and what I like about it, what I frankly don't like about it, and where that's going to put me in my next five-year plan. I don't think that you have to be 25 years into your practice to have that. I think it could be helpful at any point in your practice because it's never too late to recognize what you like about your career, and frankly, what you don't. Because you can work on the things that you don't like to do or pivot from some particular area of law that you're not thrilled about or clients you're not thrilled about, the types of clients you're not thrilled about, and learn from that, that I'm not taking that case next time it comes through the door because of the type of stress it brings to my life over and above just plain old practicing law for this particular area. I just think if we're going to take this time, again, everyone should take time, then because we are 
type A, lawyer brain, kind of going with our last episode or a couple episodes ago, our lawyer brains don't turn off. And part of that is being competitive, high achieving, high functioning people. Then spend some time thinking about what about your job you really like and how to keep motivated by it. So end of the year reflection and goal setting, if you will, has been very significant in my life. Uh, At the end of last year, I was taking some time to think about my goals and how I could achieve them if I could achieve them where I was. And it kind of jumpstarted my journey to leading me to this firm. Right. You know, I kind of looked, this is what I want to get accomplished. What can I do so I can get these goals accomplished? Actually, so one of the goals that I had at the end of last year was to get more involved firsthand in the litigation process by taking depositions, appearing in court, that sort of thing. And so this year, one of the things that I've been doing, which I haven't done a full reflection yet, but I'm looking forward to going back and looking at this. But when I started working here, I started keeping a spreadsheet of how many depositions I've taken, what kind, and like significant court appearances I had. And so I'm really looking forward to in a couple of weeks after this crazy child season is done for me, going back and looking at all I've accomplished, then turning that into how can I improve on that and make new goals for next year. So I know it's been really significant in my life and has really kept me going and motivated in my career. I think that's phenomenal. The data collection part of that is fantastic because you go through your year. And as I sit here today, I'm like, how many depositions did I take this year? I mean, I can tell you about my trials because there were only two and those are hard to forget. But the data collection is a great idea. I've never done that. And I think I would love to know today how many depositions I've taken. I would love to know that. It's just a good way to see how you've grown as an attorney. And the different types of depositions. Mm -hmm. Because it started off very simple uh, defendant and then, you know, worked up to different uh, corporate rep, experts. Experts, right. Things Mm -hmm. like that. Well, and I even think about working here, like now, you know, I feel like I take a defendant doctor depot weekly (laughs) almost. And when did I start doing that? Certainly wasn't my first med mal case. You know, I was probably working with a senior attorney and the senior attorney was going to take the defendant doctor. And it's just interesting when that skill shifts over. I'm sitting here thinking of my biggest case. I'm probably going to take all the depots in that. And when did that happen? It's wonderful. It is. And it occurs to me that anytime any of us could have some self-doubt about a deposition coming up or a task coming up that we find intimidating or stressful, all you got to do is look back and say, oh, shoot, I've done this 55 times or (laughs) 5,000 times or whatever the case may be. And just bringing things into perspective is always helpful. And with that kind of data, you're going to be able to start doing that like very soon. I guess I'm out of luck, but. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about starting it when I had been practicing for 10 years and I'm like, well, maybe that'll be like a point. And then you could just double it or times 10 or whatever it is. Yeah. I love it. Megan, great idea. Yeah. It just, it's helpful to not only reflect on what you've done over the year, but I think it's helpful in looking, what do you want to do next? What's not on this list? And like, what can I make as a goal for next year? I think having professional goals is incredibly important, but personal goals are also important. I don't think I concentrate on that 
or have ever concentrated on that. Everyone talks about New Year's resolutions. And I guess that would count as a personal goal, but you know, really how many people do? I don't even bother with those anymore. I think I've learned over the years not to set unrealistic goals. Those are just depressing and disappointing. So maybe drink more water because that's so vague, right? What does that really mean? It, I don't have my data collection, Megan. I don't know how much water I drink now. So I don't know how much more is more. I heard a phrase recently while watching a children's movie. They will get you sometimes. The moral lessons that come up, I was like, damn you. I never want to. I want to unhear that. It was. If it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. Mm. Oh, that hit so was hard. Was that sung in some manner by a character <laughs> or? It was a Christmas themed <laughs> Netflix exclusive. <laughs> and it, it the first time I heard it in the movie, I was like, damn you. And right. then like it came up later and later and then they like saved the day and they didn't make an excuse because it was. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And it has been haunting me. Why? Since then, because I don't know, I'm not working out enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and, and now now you've gotten a window into my psyche of what's going on. I've been I, when you get too busy, as you know, we've been talking about in some of the burnout and ramping up episodes recently. I have been cutting out stuff for myself. And How many times it, we told you not to do that? I know. And it's like, and I think I've been making an excuse in my mind that my choice was sleep over a 5 a.m. workout, which I also find <laughs> to be helping me in some manner. But that is that is something that I have to get back on track because, you know, when you get busy, if you cut out yourself first, I mean, all the effects that we talk about that are bad and, you know, you start getting burnt out, like that can snowball. So I need to get that back on track. And that's how I'm going to do it by that phrase. Okay, right. That's it what down. I'm focusing on right on my down. year end. Well, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. You have a lot going on, both at home and at work. I will say that I'm addicted to exercise now, but that didn't start until I was in my 40s. Well, and I and I used to be too. So it's it's been a personal struggle for me. And, you know, it, it fill in anything, you know, it doesn't have sure. to be that, you know, that's what's top of mind. Understood. But you could set, again, realistic goals. I don't think that you need to say, I'm going to work out every day. That's too hard. Yeah. It's too hard with where you are. With their, in your life right now. But you could do, I'll do two or three days a week. Mm -hmm. Or maybe different, you know, one is at the gym, one is walking around the block or, you know, pushing the stroller or whatever it is. It all adds up. All to, of a sudden yoga counts. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Wait, did yoga not count before? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell <laughs> I'll work out on Monday if my kid doesn't wake up. There's the excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Liz, what are your thoughts for the end of the year review? Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of reflection, just both personal and professional, trying to compare where I am now versus where I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And frankly, this is something that I do just because of social media. So Facebook has an option of doing like on, on this day, what did you post on this day? And I check my on this day 
every day just to just to see where I was. And so, you know, all of my posts right now from six, seven, eight years ago are me having meltdowns about finals, <sighs> law school exams and thinking I, I still remember. And it's a good it's a good way to reflect on how stressed I was during the exams, how convinced I was that I was never going to pass law school. I was never going to become a lawyer. I was going to drop out and become this like failure to my family <laughs> and to myself. I mean, I had I had convinced myself of that. And I and it clearly reflected in what I was posting on social media. And so it's sort of this like very weird public diary <laughs> of my descent into madness <laughs> over these next couple of weeks. And then. What will happen in January is all of the posts will be, okay, new semester of law school. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm back or starting this job or buying this or, you know, buying my first car, buying this, like all of these big milestones. And it's just a good sort of walk down, I guess, memory lane of this is where I was and this is how far I've come. It's a nice reminder that no matter how bad I think it is right now, things seem to always have a way of working out. And so it's a good just sort of self-reflection. So that's sort of my sort of been my analysis is just reflecting on how much, in my mind, better of an attorney I am, better of a person I am, wife, daughter, colleague, friend. Have I improved over the last year and in what ways have I improved and how can I continue to improve? So that's sort of been my self-reflection over the last couple of weeks. And then I think as far as personal goals go, I mean, of course, we all have goals. I'd love to work out at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> once yeah. once in my life, I would like to do some physical movement. No. Um, I, I mean, I'd like to get on a regular schedule again. I, I, Of course, I have goals. But, but one thing that actually recently happened to me at a dinner I had with friends, which was lovely being able to be in someone's home and share a meal again. That was very nice. But um, we we're sitting around their kitchen and the alarm went off on one of their phones. And he's like, oh, 6 p.m. Everyone has to say something good that happened to you today. I said, well, I'm sorry, wh what is this? What is a sharing activity you're forcing me into? <laughs> um, he said, at every day at 6 p.m., I have an alarm that goes off on my phone to remind me to tell my wife and she has to tell me something good that happened to us today. And because you guys are here, you have to participate. So everyone had to go around the room and say something good that happened to them. And for me, I think it was I got to I got to meet their baby and I got to hold their baby for the first time, which was they had a pandemic child and <laughs> she's lovely. And, and I got a chance to hold her. And that was my good thing for the day. And that's something that I have not instituted quite yet, but I think starting January 1st, 2022 is something that I would like to begin. So I will be setting that alarm on my phone and reminding myself every day I have to say something good that happened. Even if it's the worst day, something good happened at some point. I woke up that morning, whatever it is. And so that's something that I plan to take with me going into the next year and also will help with just everyday self-reflection. I love that. It's lovely. Did you write that down? I sure did. <laughs> we do every once in a while. Um, my group of friends will do Sunday family dinner. And, um, I love Sunday family dinners. <laughs> and uh, usually when we sit around the dinner table, we do highs and lows of the day. So everyone go around and say your high of the day, say your low of the day. That kind of fits in with my writing down every day, you know, what I liked about work and what I didn't like about work. It all comes around to being reflective, to being introspective and sort of checking in with yourself. If you don't check in with yourself in whatever 
method or tool you want to use, you're missing things. You're, you're missing whether you're happy or, or not happy and, and how to fix it if, if you're not or how to ask for help. If you go back over the last couple of weeks and look at your list or think about what you said that you liked during the day or were thankful for during the day, and they're all kind of meh, you know, the same kind of crappy thing or the same not so great thing, then maybe that's your cue to say, okay, this is not acceptable. Something big needs to happen here. I need to make some changes in my life. We are capable of change. It's hard talking about, you know, just the holiday parties and going from all these good parties to no parties, back to parties. If we've taught ourselves anything the last couple of years, it's that things can change around us and we can just be dragged around by it, or we can accept what's happening and take some control of it. And I think the best way to be able to make the most of that situation is to really be aware of where you are and, and what is making you happy or fulfilled. So for the end of the year, I think that would be my encouragement to really take a moment and not just think about things, but write them down and, and collect that collect that data for a later analysis. Does that sound like a lawyer, enough of a right, lawyer brain right. for you? Yeah. And I mean, it gives you accountability. You know, you may be someone who feels that you're pretty <laughs> accountability, accountability and you're buddy. <laughs> Maybe you should report out your accountable things you just wrote down to your accountability. That's taking it to another level. It really is. There is something about writing it down, being able to go back to it. We had talked about like a five-year, 10-year planning episode, maybe in season one, maybe season two. And I remember discussing that I finally like took the advice and like wrote out a plan of, you know, this is what I'd like to do this upcoming year, blah, blah, blah. Now I've looked back at that and always used it as a building point for the next year. It's like your life business plan. Like once you write it out once, then you can keep editing it. Right. Just tweak it. Yeah. Just tweak. Well, ladies, I have really enjoyed our discussion today. We've gone from holiday gift giving to solving pretty much the world's problems, right? By data so. collection and anal analysis. Isn't that what the, we I do mean, in this podcast? I mean, I think it is. <laughs> sort of wrapped it up. But thank you all for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. We really appreciate all your support and encouragement over this interesting year and are really looking forward to bringing you more episodes in the next year. So thank you very much. Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And if you love Heels in the Courtroom, check out the other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. John Simon's The Jury Is Out podcast focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice and dive into the legal drama behind America's first medical malpractice case against opioid overprescription in Results Don't Lie. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.